that's some that's some great music, Josh. I tell you, I can use a pick me upper like that. How many of you are glad that the Lord sent the Holy Spirit upon us today? Amen. <clears throat> I'm excited. I'm delighted to be here at Mount Old today and to celebrate and to be here with my great friend, Pastor Phil. And can we just give Pastor Phil, do this for me, a hand of appreciation this morning. You have, amen, that's right, you have a wonderful pastor, and I, I don't say that uh, lightly, I mean that. We've developed over the years, we've known each other, and an authentic friendship. I accept him for who he is, and he accepts me for who I am, and, and some days that accepting is a little challenging for both of us. I've been able to share this morning at the 8 o'clock service, and I had gone out with my family and had to um, to Ben and, where did we go, Ben and Jerry, somewhere, to, um, yeah, Einstein's, that's the place, <laughs> Einstein's, Einstein's, you can see it wasn't very memorable, right, and um, had some breakfast, and I came back in the office, and Pastor Phil looks at me after preaching this morning, he says, you need to calm down, dude, <laughs> so I guess this morning I was a little uptight, and I was rushing and so he, he told me to relax. He said that um, if I need to tell you guys to say amen, um, and if they say, he said, don't worry about the silence. They're just white people. <laughs> I said, I said you got to be kidding me. I thought there was something else, you know. But so, hey, feel free to say amen. Um, Pastor Phil and I's relationship, we're open and we talk frank. We love each other. We're not uptight and sensitive. Amen. Uh, we're just all of God's uh, children and we just love God. And so at my church... Um, uh, every now and then they say amen to keep them going to sleep. Not because I'm so interesting, but they, they do that. I'm, I'm glad to have with me my wife and family here. Some of my family, my older son is not here, um, and uh, he is at church working. But we have some members from our church, Sister Aching Reggie, who's in the back, who is my assistant. And also I have one of my deacons and his wife, um, Terry, and Carrie Drisdom. So the, if you guys don't say amen, they will. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just honored. I'm just honored to be here. I was able to play uh, Kara. I caught my niece. We, you know, his, my kids are. They call him Uncle Phil, and so I'm I'm Uncle Corey to his daughters. And they invited me to the golf tournament. He didn't tell me that his mother was gonna really beat me bad. I mean, this is this is the most embarrassing weekend of my life where I get just totally beat in golf by an older lady and she just did it with such dignity and class. She smiled the whole time she was beating us up on the golf course. So uh, that, that's my weekend was kind of like that. So I just thank God for being here and the pleasure of being here on, um, on Pentecost uh, Sunday. And I must say his wife, Nancy, she has a mean putter. So you watch out if you go golfing with her on the, on the putting green. So we left Phil at home writing the sermon. The rest of us, we were, we were golfing. So I'm happy to be here today. Let's pray and look to the Lord in prayer. Gracious God, we thank you for this day and for life, for health, for strength. We thank you for this opportunity to, this great Sunday morning you've given us, to be alive and to share in the beauty and in the bounty of this day. Bless this word now. We thank you for your spirit that has come and end the world in us, and as Noel in us. And we love you, God. And we ask that you would uh, um, to make the words that come from this sermon alive and real and palatable for us to digest and make it, make it a part of our lives, that we might live lives that are pleasing to you. 
Take my words now and make them your words, that the world will see more and more of you and less of me. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to focus this morning from the Gospel of Matthew, verse 5, and I mean chapter 5, and verse 41. I want to look at one verse um, here. In the context of this verse, Jesus is preaching uh, a sermon and This is one verse out of the sermon he was preaching. Chapter 5 of the Gospel of Matthew, verse 41. Listen at what it says. It says, And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. I want to talk about this morning from this thought, this, this theme, the second mile. Now, just to make sure everybody's awake, look to your neighbor and, and tell them, Pastor Hodges is going to preach about the second mile. Don't go to sleep. Oh, he's going to be really long. <laughs> the, second, the second mile. Jesus is preaching in this text his famous Sermon on the Mount. Dr. F. F. Bruce, a noted theologian, wrote a book that my father in ministry put in my hands many, many, many years ago at the age of 17 when I first started preaching. The book that was written by Dr. Bruce was entitled The Hard Sayings of Jesus. The book focuses on the sermon, this sermon that he preached, where Jesus teaches the crowd to go beyond the expected and to go beyond the expected cheerfully. To go beyond the expected cheerfully. Which is the true true measure of the human heart? A heart that is able to go beyond that which is expected. I mean, when you really examine some of the things, some of the verses, phrases in this sermon... He tells them in one part of the sermon, he said, if someone slaps you on one cheek, he says, offer them your other cheek. He says, if someone accosts you and asks you for your jacket, he says, give them your shirt as well. But then he says, if someone asks you to go one mile, you ought to go with them two miles. The true measure of the human heart is being able to go beyond that which is expected to do something extra. I think about those 9-11 firefighters. When the building was on fire and people were jumping out of windows, instead of them trying to run down the stairs and run out of the building, they were running into a burning building up the stairs. Why? Because they were going beyond, beyond what was expected. Jesus is really teaching here in this, in this chapter on matters of the heart, matters of the heart. He is teaching that our external actions really are not the measure of our true heart. You know, as we celebrate Pentecost Sunday, we're all reminded of the church, the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell on those who were around. And the Bible says that they were, they were on one accord in one place. And they heard a a wind, a sound that sounded like a rushing wind. 
and they begin to speak in tongues and they were able to understand in their, in their own language, different languages around the world. The Holy Spirit was, was birthing the church at that very time. You know, in the Old Testament, we had the Spirit among us. Now in Acts, at the birth of the church, the Spirit now is dwelling in us. Amen. And when we understand the Spirit dwelling in us, it is the heart. It is the heart, the soul, that the Spirit wants to abide and make you and I not just people of lip service, but people who really are what we say we are. Jesus is really teaching on the matters of the heart. He's saying your external actions really are not the measure of your true heart. Wilberforce, an English Christian and politician, once said, it is simply not enough for a Christian to do right things. But he must do the right things for the right reasons. Speaking of matters of the heart, I once heard a, a, a joke one time about an elderly couple that had a custom of going to the ice cream parlor every Saturday morning. This elderly husband would love his wife so much they had been together for 50 years, and every Saturday he would treat her to the ice cream parlor. And they went to the same parlor in the same strip mall that they went every week. And so this particular Saturday, Saturday, the elderly couple, they got up, got dressed, put on their best clothes, and they began to take their usual scroll down to the ice cream parlor. As they approached the parlor, right next to the ice cream parlor was a pet shop. And in the, in the window of that pet shop was a parrot sitting on a perch. Just as the elderly couple walked by the pet shop almost to the ice cream parlor, the parrot hollers out to the old man with a loud voice saying, Hey, buddy! And the old man said, Wow, a talking parrot. <laughs> That's pretty normal. And he turns around and the parrot says, Hey, you're ugly. And so is your wife. So the old, the old guy, he got upset. He got really offended. And he decided he was going to march into that pet shop. And he was going to talk with that manager and tell them that he was insulted by a talking parrot. And this was rude. And he was never going to come this, he was never going to come this way again. Well, upon telling the manager about what had happened, the manager took that parrot in the back room and he gave him a good spanking. I mean, fly, feathers were flying everywhere. You could hear this parrot just really screaming with excitement and joy, right, and jubilation. After this parrot was beaten really good, spanked really good, he went outside and the parrot was looking kind of upset, went back and told the this elderly couple, said, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, this parrot will never, ever, ever, ever say that again. And so the elderly couple was satisfied and they went on about their business and got the ice cream and went home. Well, the next weekend, they decided to go back to the same ice cream parlor. And they made their usual route, took their usual route to the usual strip mall, to the usual ice cream parlor. And just as the elderly couple passed that pet shop and passed right by, he looked back and said, we're going to almost make it without an incident. And just about that time, that parent said, hey, buddy. And the elderly guy looked at the parrot, the parrot looked at the guy, the guy looked at the parrot, the parrot looked at the guy, and they did this for a minute. And without, almost without any notice, uh, <laughs> the elderly guy looked at the parrot and said, what? And the parrot just smiled and snickered and said, you know what. 
You see, the point of the story is the parrot had only changed on the outside. But the parrot had the same heart that he had this last Saturday. He had the same heart this Saturday. And Jesus Christ is teaching to the multitude that day that really our relationship with him, religion and faith, is really not so much about our external actions, but what's going on inside our hearts. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, the promised spirit, on the day of Pentecost to, to take the main seat, the main stage, on the stage of our hearts. And he wants our external actions to be motivated by the spirit that, revi- that resides on the inside of us. Acts chapter 4, 30, verse 32 says, Now the multitudes of those who believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither did any say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. These scriptures and scriptures all over the Bible, it is directed against the external legalism which judges according to the visible outward acts rather than our inward dispositions. We all of us know people who say one thing and they do another. We know people who want to be seen for their good works, but their heart is far from being a good person. Matthew 23 and 4 says, For they bid heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move with them one of their fingers. In other words, the text is saying there that their hearts were not with them. And one time, one scripture talks about men having hot lips and cold hearts. One fundamental assumption is that of scripture that as we read is that the human heart is constantly open to the influences from above and below. But God would like to take hold of our hearts and turn our hearts that were once made of stone into a heart of flesh. My brothers and sisters, don't fool yourself. The same heart that can be used for God can also can be used for the deceitful and the wicked things of the world, according to Jeremiah 17. But Romans 5 says, Now the hope does not disappoint us because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Who has given, who was given to us. And that openness to infinite good, our heart is now open and can be open to infinite good and not evil. In our text today, Jesus teaches this lesson about the heart. He says in this verse, if someone asks you, force you, force you to go one mile, go with him two miles. The phrase going the second mile has found its way into modern, into the modern genre. It has its roots in first century Palestine. The Romans had conquered much of the known world. One of the marvels of their conquest was this vast system of superhighways, which they had built to and from their conquered territories. There were over 50,000 miles of these Roman roads throughout the empire. At each mile was a stone marker. The New Oxford English Dictionary calls them guide stones. These guide stones pointed direction, determined distance, warned of dangers, and each of them had the miles to Rome etched out on them. Hence, we get the phrase, all roads lead to Rome. By Roman law, the Roman citizen could compel a subject from one of the conquered lands to carry his backpack, his tool, or his load for him one mile. But the law was for only one mile only. 
as Jesus was preaching his Sermon on the Mount. I often wondered if he inserted the reference about the second mile when he saw an object lesson in the distance unfolding. He said, if anyone compels you to go with him one mile, go with him two. Can you imagine the bombshell this must have been to those who had been oppressed by the Romans? You're telling me that if a Roman asked me to carry his backpack one mile, that I should go beyond what's expected of me? That's exactly what Jesus asked him to do. He said, you should go the second mile. I want to offer to you two guide stones. The first guide stone is the mile of mandate, the first mile. The first mile is the mile of mandate. And this mile is motivated by the law. I've heard many sermons on the second mile, but not many on the first mile. The first mile is always the hardest. Ask any long-distance runner, and they'll tell you that if they're running a marathon, the first mile or two are the hardest miles. Ask anyone who's ever been married, or anyone who's married now. They will attest to the fact that the first year, amen, is the hardest year. The first mile is always the toughest. But if it were not for the first mile, there would be no possibility of the second mile. The first mile is that which is required of us. It is the mile that is is mandated for us. We live in a world, unfortunately, where some people do not even make it to the first mile marker. They give up far too early. That is, they don't even do what's required of them. They don't do what's required of them at the office. They don't do what's required of them at home. They don't do, Pastor Phil, what's required of them at church or wherever they are. They're always looking for the easy way out. And these people wonder why they can never experience any joy in their lives. You know, I have three boys, and I imagine Pastor Phil and I talk about this all the time. It has to be far different raising three boys than it is raising three girls. But I tell my sons, I tell them, no matter what you do, Give it your best. Always try to go beyond what's required and do something that that stretches you, that makes you do things beyond your imagination. But most people, sometimes they never even complete the first mile. The second stone stone guide is what I call the miracle mile. Unlike the first mile, which is motivated by the law, the miracle mile is motivated by love. Jesus, my friends, calls upon us in this verse to do what is required of us and then some. To go above and beyond the call of duty. And watch this, not just go beyond the call of duty, but do it with a smile on your face. You know, have you ever gone to see someone who's sick, someone who's ill, or in the hospital, and in your mind you're going to cheer that person up, but by the time you leave, you end up feeling better than the person that you're going to see. That's the blessing. That's the honor. That's the reward of going beyond what's expected and doing it cheerfully. I can tell you, it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that you and I can go the extra mile, that we can go the second mile. Only the Holy Spirit can help us go the extra mile with a smile on your face. Amen? Only the Holy Spirit can help you turn the other cheek when someone slaps you on one cheek. Only the Holy Spirit 
can help you love your enemies and do good to them that despitefully use you. But my brothers and sisters, we ought to do it with a smile on our face. We ought to do it with joy. This smile is not motivated by the law. It's motivated by love, by our love for Jesus Christ. This is what should distinguish us from people who don't know Jesus. The second mile should be, we we should be able to go the second mile, unlike those who have not started an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ, those who have not been filled with this precious Holy Spirit. There ought to be something different about the children of God than there is about the children of the world. You ought to be a testimony at work, on your job, in your social groups. And people ought to ask you, how do you keep smiling through pressure? How do you keep going through stress? How did you make it through your cancer treatment? How did you live after your divorce? And you'll be able to tell them, I can go the second mile because I have the Holy Spirit in my heart. And I can do what's required of me and then some, not out of the law, not out of obligation, but because I love Jesus. Amen. And doing... In closing, there are three, generally three types of people and they have three types of hearts. Number one, there are those who do not even finish the first mile. That is, they can't or they won't even do what's required of them. Many reasons are offered as to why they can't complete the first mile. Some say it's because they have misplaced priorities. Some say it's because they're just lazy or slothful. Some say it's because they don't get any instant gratification. Number two, The second kind of heart are those who complete the first mile or even the second mile or more, but they have impure motives. In other words, they're not, they're they're doing what Wilberforce warns them. He says, it's not just enough for Christians to do the right things, but we have to do the right things for the right reason. Well, this second group of people, they're doing the right things, but they're doing it for the wrong reason. Some do it out of obligation some requirement to be satisfied, some standard that they must reach. Some do it to be seen as doing good and therefore herald as a good person. Some do it to gain influence and trust with other believers and become known as the important or influential, influential member of a congregation. Some do it out of fear or guilt, fear that is, of going to hell and guilt caused by a parent or a clergy member or a religious leader or some internal litmus test by which one feels good about himself. All those things are legalistic. They're doing the right things for the wrong reason. All of these reasons, they bring no glory to God, and they'll be void of any reward in heaven. But I'm glad to report that there's another crowd, and I hope you and I are in this crowd. There are those There there are those that are in the third crowd. There are those who are willing to go the extra mile. Not out of duty or out of for a reward, but out out of sincere love and devotion to God. These people are not trying to be seen or rewarded with influence or prestige. They are not concerned if they're they're if they get the credit or if they do not. They are not concerned if they are the only ones who's going the extra mile. They do not complain about the journey. They just go in spite of the obstacles, despite fatigue and tiredness, despite feeling unnoticed and unappreciated. For they know that a good soldier will be rewarded by the Lord himself. My My grandma used to say, 
in an old African-American hymn, she was able to sing the song says, serving the Lord will pay off after a while. There are those who are willing to go the second mile. They are strong in the face of opposition. They are committed in the face of responsibilities. They are silent among criticism. They are repellent to earthly praise and honor, for they know that the honor and glory belongs to God. They are continual in their prayers, encouragers in their demeanor, steadfast in their hope, secure in their salvation, faithful to God's works, works, and established in their faith and joyful in their labors, and they ain't going to let nobody turn them around. How many of you today are in the second mile club? They do it, and we do it, and you do it because we love God. Aren't you glad today that God loves us and we love him and we have the blessing of the Holy Spirit to help us do it not out of obligation or because the law says so, but we do what we do because the love of God has been spread in our heart. If that's you, then you're in good company because there's another person that was willing to go the second mile. Isaiah spoke of him. In the chapter, 53rd chapter, he was despised, Isaiah says, and rejected of men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And he hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. He went, my friends, the extra mile. He died on the old rugged cross, buried in Joseph's tomb, and rose early on Sunday morning with all power in his hand. He didn't go the extra mile simply out of obedience to his father, but he went the extra mile out of love for mankind. For I hear the Roman, the, the writer of the Romans letter, Paul, tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. What does that mean for you and I? That means when we weren't thinking about God, God was thinking about us, and he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for us. Don't you think he wanted to stop? Don't you think when they were beating him, the pain was so excruciating that he wanted to give up? Don't you think the thought of being nailed to a tree or being pierced in the side or having a crown of thorn placed on your head, don't you think in his mind at the Garden of Gethsemane, he wanted to give up and just do the minimum? But hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Aren't you glad this morning that he not only went to the Garden of Gethsemane, but he pressed his way up to Calvary's cross, and he died for our sins and rose on the third day of morning for our justifications. So now, my brothers and sisters, I live for God. I serve God every day. I love him every day, not out of obligation, but because I love him. I love him. Like the hymn writer says, there is a name I love to hear. I love to sing his word. It sounds like music in my ear, the sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Why? 
because he first loved me. And so for me, and I hope after hearing this message today for you, the first mile just ain't good enough for me because I love Jesus and he loves me. And he was willing not only to do a second mile, but he was willing to go all the way. So in your life, in your relationship with God, in your personal life, remember the words that Jesus said. If someone asks you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you now for this word of encouragement, this word of faith, this word of challenge. You've asked each of us to go the second mile. We pray for strength, for guidance. We want to give you glory. We want our life to be an example of someone who's willing to go the extra mile. We love you now, and we give you praise in Jesus' name.